Good morning, my dear friends, and welcome to another episode of the Painting Pictures Podcast. I'm Gabriel Roberts, and I'll be your host, as usual. Coming to you from northern Vermont on a chilly winter's morning. We've had some warm weather and some cold weather, some good times and some bad times, and lots of ice. Man, ice is something I really didn't know much about before moving to Vermont. I mean, I knew that it went in fancy drinks, and I knew it was something you gave your main bitch for her anniversary, your anniversary, like a big old string of ice for her neck. But what I didn't know is that it could form into boogers as hard as rocks in tiny crevices in your car's doors and prevent you from being able to open your car door without breaking it just by dribbling um, it could also completely freeze up your windshield wipers so that they can't move that happened to me the other morning we were getting ready to go somewhere I hadn't moved my car in a long time. That's the thing. You just can't leave your car out here in the winter because it'll get covered in snow and then it'll melt a little bit and then that'll freeze and then it'll melt a little bit and that'll freeze and the ice just builds up secretly without without your knowledge. Silently in the middle of the night, it gets stronger and harder <laughs> and bigger. So after I, I spent probably a solid half hour while my car was running just figuring I would be able to I would be able to loosen up the windshield wipers meanwhile my wife and our little girl were all ready to go but waiting inside and I'm out there trying to chip away at this f- ridiculous ice boogers that have bound up the windshield wipers completely in a way that I just had never seen before. And I'm, I get into that indignant sort of um, victim <laughs> attitude. Like the world is doing this to me. The world, the nature is, is f- forcing this injustice upon me. I don't deserve this. Um, and then I, the idea is like, oh, I never, I can't catch a break. I go pretty quickly. I go into that. There may be like a brief moment in the beginning where I simply follow my first problem-solving instinct. But as soon as I realize that I'm up against something that isn't going to be solved easily, I pretty quickly just drop into victim mode and start complaining and dropping swear words. And I'm was particularly aware in that moment that I have now have a, uh, or there is now a, a, a tiny human in our family that is going to grow up watching me deal with things like this and potentially model their behavior on it. I don't know. Hopefully, um, if I, act like a little child whenever I'm encountered with a problem that doesn't can't be solved quickly 
hopefully she'll identify that as a character flaw and intentionally model her character to be otherwise. But it's also quite possible that she'll just see that's how <laughs> that's how we deal with things um, that don't go our way. We complain. We complain and we blame nature and the laws of physics. And we use words like fuck and shit and um, unfucking believable, all that stuff. I don't know. So we'll see what happens. But I, I definitely am aware that I don't want to act like a little child every time something doesn't go my way. So I sort of kept it in check. I didn't um, break my car windshield. That was certainly where I went when I encountered these ridiculous goobers of ice. I mean, it's like somebody had poured epoxy or something just all through the lower windshield section of my car and down into the engine compartment a little bit and then dripping down into the uh, the crack where the door hinges and then just let that sit shit set up hard and it wasn't budging I was using a little plastic scraper and then I was using the uh, a, a jug of windshield de-icer pouring that on there you'd, you'd think that would loosen it you know you think the car running for a while would would loosen it by warming but no this was like a this was like a rock formation and my little chipper was not doing the job and eventually I gave up. Eventually I turned off the car and I came inside and I said, well, that's not happening. And I, I sort of uh, like wanted my wife to console me. <laughs> and she did a little bit. I think she recognized that I wanted to be consoled a little bit. God bless her. But I also like did, uh, yeah, I don't, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's, so there's those goobers. I eventually solved the problem because I was like, well, I'm going to have to use my car at some point. Excuse me. I just dropped my, my glasses. So I eventually got out a heat gun and um, cooked it, cooked the ice until it melted. And then I was able to use my windshield wipers and what a relief. What a relief, and so glad that I went, took a break, got the heat gun, instead of grabbing a hammer. <laughs> it could have been bad. Could have been bad. It was right there. The hammer was in the back of my car, and I was like, no, Gabe, that's how you, that's how you break a window. I've broken windows before. A window with a hammer. <laughs> so I didn't want to do it again, and I didn't. Just used a heat gun and probably melted a little bit of plastic or whatever. But those are the things that a car must go through in Vermont, apparently. Um, I wanted to just share with you guys this amazing uh, editorial from the New York Times that I was reading. And speaking about taking a pause and stepping away from something. That is apparently the strategy that this opinion piece is promoting. The opinion piece is titled, Don't Go Down the Rabbit Hole. 
subtitle is Critical Thinking, as we're taught to do it, isn't helping in the fight against misinformation. Boy. Uh, so just in case you were under the uh, under the assumption that critical thinking was a good thing, I'm afraid it's not, guys. Um, that's what we're learning. So we've got some really, really weird staged photographs of these weird people, this Michael Caulfield, who is, what? who is this person? A digital literacy expert at Washington State University, Vancouver. Digital literacy expert. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> what does that even mean? Um, this guy just looks like a spook to me. Um, anyway, let's just, I just want to read a little bit of this. Um, so the idea is that we're fighting this war against misinformation, right? There's, there's information and there's misinformation. And the idea is that there is a, a group of crazy wing nuts out there in the world that are trying to make you believe things that just aren't true. And it's a battle. It's a battle, you know, and thank God we've got censorship, you know, right off the bat. That's taking care of a lot of this, fortunately. But some of it still leaks through and you're still going to run into this on your Facebook feed sometimes. People are going to be putting up these things and it's going to be alluring, you know, and you might think that you want to explore it or try to understand it or think critically about it. And that's just not, that's just not a good idea. So let's see. Um, so the idea is to, uh, to, to examine the source of information. So before you let your feeble mind be uh, be captured. Um, you want to learn about the source of the information. Um, so let's say, for instance, imagine you were to visit Stormfront, a white supremacist message board, to try to understand racist claims in order to debunk them. <laughs> it's a typical afternoon, right? I'm going to get to the bottom of this. These darn white supremacists. I'm going to figure out their ridiculous claims and then I'm going to debunk them. Mr. Caulfield says, quote, even if you see through the horrible rhetoric, at the end of the day, you gave that place however many minutes of your time. Even with good intentions, you run the risk of misunderstanding something because Stormfront users are way better at propaganda than you. <laughs> you won't get less racist reading Stormfront critically but you might be overloaded by information and overwhelmed. Oh my God, can you imagine? Wouldn't that be horrible for your poor, feeble little brain? Here you are just trying to become less racist like a good citizen, and you might just get, you might just get overwhelmed. 
The goal of disinformation, says Caulfield, is to capture attention. And critical thinking is deep attention. So there you go. You're you're falling trapped by thinking about something critically. You're 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 losing the battle. So best to just not think about it. Um, people learn to think critically by focusing on something and contemplating it deeply to follow the information's logic and the inconsistencies. That natural human mindset is a liability in an, an attention economy. It allows grifters, conspiracy theorists, trolls, and savvy attention hijackers to take advantage of us and steal our focus. Whenever you give your attention to a bad actor, says Mr. Caulfield, you allow them to steal your attention from better treatments of an issue and give them the opportunity to warp your perspective. Oof, boy. One way to combat this dynamic is to change how we teach media literacy. Internet users need to learn that our attention is a scarce commodity that is to be spent wisely. So here we go. We've got a process used by professional fact-checkers, those, those arbiters of truth, to assess information. And it's just four simple steps. Step one, stop. Step two, investigate the source. Step three, find better coverage. Step four, trace claims, quotes, and media to the original context. Now, I, I would that's a, good, that's a good one right there. Otherwise known as SIFT. All right, here we go. Mr. Caulfield walked me through the process using an Instagram post from Robert F. Kennedy Jr., a prominent anti-vaccine activist, falsely alleging a link between the human papillomavirus vaccine and cancer. If this is not a claim where I have a depth of understanding, then I want to stop for a second and, before going further, just investigate the source, Mr. Caulfield said. So here we go. He copied Mr. Kennedy's name, in the Instagram post and popped it into Google. Look how fast this is, he told me as he counted the seconds out loud. In 15 seconds, he navigated to Wikipedia and scrolled through the introductory section of the page, highlighting with his cursor the last sentence, which reads that Mr. Kennedy is an anti-vaccine activist and a conspiracy theorist. <gasps> Holy shit! He's an anti-vaccine activist and a conspiracy theorist. I had no idea. Oh, my God. Can you believe I almost opened my feeble little brain to an anti-vaccine activist and conspiracy theorist? Holy shit. That was fucking close. That was fucking close. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> wow. Woo. <clears throat> Thank God for Wikipedia. He probed deeper into the method to find better coverage by copying the main claim in Mr. Kennedy's post and pasting that into a Google search. Okay, here we go. Now, this is We're going to figure this out. The first two results came from Agency France Press's Fact Check website and the National Institutes of Health. There we go. His quick searches showed a pattern. Mr. Kennedy's claims were outside the consensus, a sign that they were motivated by something other than science. Man. I mean, and that's what you've got to do, right? Anything that comes into your feeble little brain, you need to throw it up against the Google big board 
and just compare it to those top five results on Google and see how it meshes. And, and if it's outside of that consensus, then you know that it's some horrible baby-eating conspiracy theorist trying to swindle you. And it's you need to just wash it down the toilet. Because as we know, anything that is motivated by science falls right inside the consensus, right? That's how science works. We just, we have a consensus and we just stay there. We don't expand our knowledge of the universe or the human body. We don't explore new ideas, right? Science doesn't evolve and change, right? No, it just stays in that consensus. Because here we are, I mean, there might've been a time I don't know, back when Galileo was around, perhaps, when we flirted with, oh, different ideas, like, oh, maybe the world isn't flat. You know, but now we know everything. We know exactly how the human body works, and we know exactly how everything in the universe works. And there's just, we don't need to expand our understanding of anything, guys. We've got it. We've got it figured out. So anytime you see something that is trying to challenge the consensus, you know that it's something that should be ignored um, and it's dangerous, right? Because we're safe in our consensus. You can't, I mean, you can't make this shit up, you guys. Um... Apparently, this SIFT message method is being picked up by dozens of universities across the country and in some Canadian high schools. Oh, boy. Yes, I think we should start teaching this as young as possible. Kids, just rely on Google, okay? Google and, of course, the New York Times. They know what's best. They've, they've figured it out. And apparently what's potentially revolutionary about SIFT is that it, can, it focuses on making quick judgments. A SIFT fact check can and should take just 30, 60, 90 seconds to evaluate a piece of content. There you go. You don't want to spend any longer than a minute and a half trying to figure out if something might potentially be true or not. It really doesn't take that long, okay? We've got Wikipedia, right? Oh, man. So, SIFT has its limits, right? It's designed for casual news consumers, not experts or those (laughs) attempting to do deep research. (laughs) Which, of course, those people all work for the New York Times, right? The experts and those attempting to do deep research. And casual news consumers like us we're a different breed, right? We're the sheeple, right? The experts tell us what's going on in the world. It's really, it's beyond our capacity to try and, you know, do deep dives or research, right? It's just not, it's just not helpful, guys, because you're going to get, you're going to get swindled. These people are better at propaganda than you are. Oh, man. There's some other fucking uh, 
there's another expert, but here's Caulfield again. We've been trained to think that Googling or just checking one resource we trust is almost like cheating, he said. But when people search Google, the best results may not always be first, but the good information is usually near the top. Often, you see a pattern in the links of a consensus that's been formed. But deeper into the process, it often gets weirder. It's important to know when to stop. <laughs> and guys, just let your gut feeling guide you on this. You know, you are you look at something and if something makes you a little uncomfortable because it's kind of outside of this safe consensus and limited worldview that uh, the New York Times is instilling in you, that's when you, it's that's when you need to stop. There's just there's no point in exploring things or ideas that make you uncomfortable. They're obviously trying to lead you astray. Holy shit. You just <laughs> you can't make this shit up, you guys. Anyway, I'll I'll post a link to this garbage piece on on the website at gaberobertsart.com. But you see what's happening here? You see how this is working? There's this. There's an idea of, um, right, the safe consensus, and it's it's been it's been figured out, and there are experts that have it figured out, and our job is to just sit back and take it in the fucking ass every day of the week, right? Just wake up, bend over, and pull your pants down, and just let Google and New York Times stick their big, shiny penis in your butt. And, <laughs> and it's, you're going to like it. You're going to get used to it. And if anybody comes up and tries to start pulling that dick out of your butt, just say, nope, go away. Ignore them. Okay, don't think about other penises. Don't think about, you know, walking around without a big dick up your butt. Just... <laughs> Just settle in, okay? Settle in, everybody, and and that's it, right? There are there are realms where we're just not, we just don't need to go, and that's anything that is a conspiracy theory, anything anti-vaccine, um, anything about you know government conspiracy or elections not being elections being rigged or whatever. Any of these wacky ideas, we just need to um, we just need to shut our eyes, shut our eyes, and and when when presented with uncomfortable things, we we need to not think about it. That's the important thing, right? That's the take home message. Don't think too hard about it, all right? Because it's just gonna get you into trouble. Boy, um, good thing the New York Times is out there to help us through these difficult times right and help us in the fight against misinformation well for a little uh a little levity shall we take our update from susan davis in waterville we didn't get the big snowstorm that was predicted last week they said we were to get about a foot of snow but we only got about three or four inches and a little ice the roads were a little slippery in spots for a little while. By the weekend, temperatures were a little warmer in the upper 20s. Excuse me. 
The bright sunshine on Sunday did help to melt some of the snow on the sides of the road. There was a stream of water running down the side of the road. What a welcome sight. Tuesday was a day of baking. I made three pies that day. One of them was for my brother-in-law, Bruce. For Christmas, I gave him a book of ten coupons. Each coupon was good for one homemade pie made by me. He cashed one in last week for a pumpkin pie. I gave another coupon book to our son-in-law, Paul, but he hasn't cashed any in yet. It's a great way to spread Christmas throughout the year. Marilyn Klinger returned home on Tuesday last week after spending two weeks with her daughter and her family in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I spent part of Thursday balancing the checkbook and paying bills. What fun! At about four o'clock, our grandkids came to our house for a few hours. I always have a craft project for them when they come. I had some little wooden boxes that I had purchased at Amy's many years ago, which the kids painted and decorated with pictures and beads. We also had a snack and watched some TV while they were here. We had a good time. Our condolences go out to Brian and Sharon Allaire upon the passing away of Brian's mother, Barbara Allaire, on February 13th. Our Sunday family meal was at our son's house. Monty picked out our meal. Hamburgers, hot dogs, and french fries. I brought an apple cake with whipped cream for dessert. Steve and I both went up to the ER Saturday afternoon. Steve had a broken big toe, so he is wearing what they call a boot on that foot to keep the pressure off the toe. I had my left arm looked at. They think I have rotator cuff tendinitis. They prescribed some medicine, and hopefully it will get better. It is very painful when I move it certain ways. Last reminder that town meeting in Waterville has been moved to June 8th at 10 a.m. On March 2nd, however, there will be an in-person voting on the school budget at the town hall from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. A happy birthday goes to Brian Towell and Charlie Erickson, both on February 28th. Have a great week, everyone. Don't get discouraged. Spring will be here before you know it. Susan Davis. Well, I am sort of thinking about eating less gluten, I guess. We met with a doctor the other day online and um, for some things my wife is dealing with, she recommended taking, quote, taking a break from gluten and sugar. Excuse me. I don't know, guys. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know what people do that don't eat gluten or sugar at like 8.30. What do you do? (laughs) I mean, you just like eat some fucking salad or something. You can't have chips. You can't have a piece of toast. You can't have a bowl of cereal. You can't have a piece of chocolate. You can't have some cheese and crackers. What do you do? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I, I do have this persistent phlegm in my throat that I've had for a f- really long time. Like I just have been clearing my throat regularly for quite some time now. And <laughs> I don't... 
I don't want to do that forever, but the question is how much am I willing to change my diet in order to not do it? And which, you know, which indulgences can I keep? Can I keep drinking coffee? Lord, I hope so. I still think that I would be a happier, healthier, and more productive person if I didn't drink coffee. And some, in some level, I know that. And because I know that I think about coffee all the time when I'm not drinking coffee, I know that my body doesn't like it. I mean, I do get a nice morning poop, but I get the morning poop just from making coffee, <laughs> just smelling it, and I have to go poop. Which is kind of annoying because I like to drink my coffee really hot. So it's like, do I sit down and have a couple of sips and hold in my poop? Or do I just go poop? I should make an audio recording of the little percolator bubbling on the stove and play that for myself and before I make the coffee. And maybe that would cue a bowel movement. I don't know. I think that really in order to not eat gluten and sugar, I need to just like go food shopping more <laughs> and get re- more real food and spend more time like prepping, I don't know, making homemade crackers and prepping like having hard boiled eggs and avocados and bits of cured meat and all kinds of shit on hand and fruit. So I can just constantly be eating other things. And that takes a lot of work. It's way easier to just buy a loaf of bread and a jar of peanut butter. So I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to do it. I don't know. That's the thing, right? I keep thinking that I'm going to somehow dig deep and find this motivation to become a better man. And we have a, there's a new baby in our family. And that, apparently that's not enough. (laughs) A human that relies on me almost completely and like potentially will look up to me. Yeah. That's sort of motivating, but not enough to give up toast and coffee. I read in the newspaper a horoscope for myself, Virgo. I can't believe I missed this, but listen to this. I wish the pandemic would give us a short break so we could celebrate the Valentine season with maximum sensual revelry and extravagant displays of joyful tenderness. I wish we could rip off our masks and forget about social distancing and hug and kiss everyone who wants to be hugged and kissed. But that's not going to happen. If we hope to be free to indulge in a lush love and lust festival by Valentine season in 2022, we've got to be cautious and controlled now. And we are all counting on you Virgos to show us how to be as wildly, lyrically romantic as possible while still observing the necessary limitations. That's your special task. Well, <laughs> I have the solution. That's by Rob Bresney. Thank you, Rob, for propagandizing us about masks and social distancing in the fucking horoscope, you stupid piece of shit. You think you're about free will astrology? Yeah, free will, except when there's a public health emergency, in which case, do exactly as you're told. (laughs) And heaven forbid, most of all, don't touch other people that want to be touched. 
people desperate for human contact and affection stay away from them don't touch them okay just sit back and take your vaccine and wait until next year well i didn't realize i didn't have i wish i had read this during valentine season and i could have you know put something out publicly to the world and show them instruct them how to celebrate valentine's day safely but i have um a very simple solution to how to you know experience that lust and love and sensuality safely and that's simply some good old internet porn rob i think that that is definitely the best way to celebrate valentine's day is with your dick in your hand and some nice porn on your computer screen (laughs) and a nice big bottle of lotion and a box of tissues and just sit there and wank it and nobody gets hurt you don't have to wear a mask although you're welcome to um and remember if the actors in the porn are not wearing masks um it's because they've been tested <laughs> they they all tested negative for covid so it's fine for them to be fucking and it's safe for you to sit there in your computer and beat it uh, sit there in your house <laughs> and spank your monkey for a few hours and then you'll really feel full of love and joy for valentine's day so there you go there's your tip from me, this particular Virgo on how to celebrate Valentine's Day safely. And maybe next year you'll get to touch some people. But maybe you'll find that it's actually just more fun to look at porn all day long. <laughs> maybe you'll find some uh, somebody to chat with in an online message board. And um, maybe you'll get a set of virtual reality goggles. And maybe, you know, the whole porn thing will integrate with a um, massive multiplayer experience and and then you'll find that human contact is like just completely unnecessary um we'll see (laughs) we'll see but just reminder don't touch anybody (laughs) okay until until dr fauci says it's okay please do not touch anybody boy um, yeah, it's still going on, folks. It's February. We're or it's March now. We're approaching the one year anniversary of COVID and the world changing. Um, we're coming up on one year from 15 days to <laughs> flatten the curve, 15 days to slow the spread when we thought that the virus had a death rate of three and a half percent turned into how about a whole year of wearing masks and not touching anybody now that we know the death rate is about 0.26 percent. That makes sense, right? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, science. Science evolves. Wait, no, it doesn't. It stays in consensus. Oh, I don't know. Um, I guess I'll just stop thinking now. These are the things that bother me. These are the things that bother me. Maybe they shouldn't. Maybe they shouldn't. Here's something that bothers me, and maybe it shouldn't. Halos and cuties. These bags of branded mandarins or clementines in the store that don't say, like, they're branded as if Halo is a food product when it's actually just a piece of fruit that comes straight off of a tree. It's not, it's not a food product. It wasn't made in a laboratory. 
perhaps it was genetically engineered, but it's an actual piece of fruit off of a tree. Okay, it doesn't have food coloring added. It's not it's not a manufactured food product, but it's branded like is a halo a, a species of clementine or a cutie? It's like having I don't know, cucumbers that that instead of saying cucumbers on the bag, it says like cukies. <laughs> then you've got another bag of brand of cucumbers that says like you know, green green schlongs or something. Uh, why why is why is this something that we've decided you can just pretend is a food product? Are they afraid that people will be grossed out if the labeling says like mandarin oranges or clementines? Like, oh, I thought this was a food product. This is a fucking piece of fruit. I don't know. That just doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand why that's the one thing. I don't know of any other thing. No other fruit is <laughs> has been uh, so dubbed as a food product. I don't understand why small citrus is the one thing that it, this phenomenon is um, occurring with. It, it just doesn't make sense to me, and it bothers me. These are the things that bother me. These are the things that bother me. Well, my friends, that will take us to the end of this episode of the Painting Pictures podcast. Thanks for tuning in. The website for the podcast is GabeRobertsArt.com. I'm going to post, there's another fantastic letter to the editor in the News and Citizen that I'm going to share there. Check that out. Um, It's pretty cool to see that there are people in Vermont that are sick and tired of this shit and ready to change our approach to life, get back to living life as opposed to just avoiding death. So check out that letter. Um, Props again to the News and Citizen for publishing things that are counter to the um, public health emergency narrative and actually uh, showing that there are different opinions out there in the population. I don't know where you are at this point, almost a year into covid but I hope that, I don't know, I just, I hope you're doing okay. I, th- I think that, I think that the, I think that we're, we're coming out of this and, you know, we get to look forward to summertime and outdoors. And I think people are going to be just down to spend some time together and hang out and catch up. And maybe we can let go of some, some of the fear and, and realize that it's okay to touch people. I don't know. I think that's kind of the basic thing that it comes down to, like, realizing accepting the threat of other human beings as potentially carrying viruses that's really not going to change so i think we have to at some point just decide do we want to continue to live and take whatever risks are inherent in living and associating with this natural world or do we not do we want to just crawl deep into our basements and take regular inoculations and um and then feel safer and but just be ready to give up any 
you know, have our, our lives and our freedoms dictated by whatever the latest uh, fad is in public health. I don't know. Mm. So whatever. I hope, I hope you're finding your way through all of this. Uh, appreciate you tuning into this podcast as always putting on your headphones and opening your ears to my rant and my lewd comments about the New York Times big shiny dick appreciate it share this show with your friends or whatever if you want um, leave a rating or review on Apple Podcast is, is that what it's called now or do none of those things. If you want to reach out and, and touch me, uh, come to Vermont and we I will touch you. Or you can just send an email to GabeRoberts at gmail.com or a piece of snail mail to Box 28, Craftsbury, Vermont. That's C-R-A-F-T-S-B-U-R-Y 05826. Okay, my dear friends, that's enough for now. Until next time, adios.